you want to turn in your Bibles to Isaiah 6, there's a thing that's been stirring on my heart for a few weeks, and that is us living a purposeful life. Now, this is not a, a Joel Austin talk, okay? This is not like six steps to happiness. This is, for me, looking at ourselves, genuinely looking at God, us becoming undone, and then God commissioning us to do incredible things. The Bible says that, he's, that he's, uh, before time, God's given us stuff to do, admirable things to do. And we were at this conference, and I'm going to kind of interweave uh, some of the people we met and some of feedback into my message. But we met uh, a guy by the name of Martin Smith. Who knows who he is? All five of us. That's awesome. Okay. So he led a band called Delirious. Who's heard of Delirious? Okay. So needless to say, okay, so the, his wife is speaking at Starlers, uh, at, at the late Starlers, at Scarlet at the ladies' conference. They're bringing their daughter across as a great worship leader. And uh, so we met them before church, and we went to church in St. Peter's, Brighton. It was uh, probably about maybe three, four times the size of this place. Massive uh, old Anglican cathedral. Uh, they, they were telling us some of the stories of how it's falling apart. So we had church there, amazing, powerful. And you know what's amazing? When we go visit other churches, I realize how we're not that far off to these so-called important churches if there's such a thing. And I just, I thank God for the journey that is, not, not that we're aiming for that, but we're aiming for excellence, we're aiming to exalt God, we're aiming to see lives changed, and I, we, we are in it, we are doing it, it's exciting, it's encouraging for me to go to those places and come back and say, thank you Jesus that you're doing something incredible in City Light. So anyway, went out to lunch with Martin Smith, they're like, uh, he, he said, would you like to come, he's very quiet, he's like, would you like to come, I'll try to do a British accent, but I'm the worst at British accents. Would you like to come have lunch with us? So I'm like, let me think for half a second. Yes, please. Um, so <clears throat> anyway, I, sat, I ended up sitting opposite him. And he's a very shy guy. Uh, and you know when you're like, you're a little bit starstruck? And you don't want to play it cool, but not too cool. And you also, you don't want to seem rude. So I was like, I said, I, I said to the afters, I said, I'm sure I made a fool of myself. But uh, anyway, he had a long chat to him. And the thing that struck me about him, here's you have this guy who has toured the world, lived a radical life for Jesus, has um, in, in many ways inspired a generation. My generation, uh, which includes some of the guys that I grew up with here, like Warren and Jeremy, we grew up together. We would have been inspired by Delirious. We would have said, that, that is an awesome band. Those guys are living big for Jesus, and we want to be like them. And um, so he's, he's, he's lived big. He's done amazing things. He's one of the most influential Christians in the UK. And... Um, but yet we sit down with him and I said, tell, tell me your story. Tell me why you ended up being in a church called St. Peter's Brighton, which is kind of an offshoot of um, an Anglican church, uh, HTB. And uh, so he said, well, we lived probably 30, 40 kilometers up the road. But he says, I wanted to get my family involved in a, in a thriving, pumping local church. So they literally moved from a small little, obviously beautiful little town into Brighton, which is a buzzing, it's called, uh, it's, it's, it's almost the, the sin capital of, of England, they say, and they moved there, and the, the church is placed right in the center, they serve the homeless, his wife is, she's dressed like a Jumeirah mom, okay, Jumeirah mommy, like a rich Jumeirah mommy, but on a Wednesday night, she goes and washes the homeless people's feet, she massages them, she, she, she paints their nails, she serves the poor, and he, he's brought his church into this place, so he's brought his family into this local church, and they're all am amazing kids and all that kind of thing. But that's amazing that here you have this guy 
who's been successful in the world's eyes. He's done really well. He's sold thousands upon thousands of records. He's played to 20, 30,000 people. He's well known. But yet he takes his family and he joins a relatively small local church. And he gives his life to the local church. Because he's seen something bigger. And for me, that's, that's why I want to bed down. A radical life is not about us kind of selling absolutely everything and going living in the middle of Afghanistan and hoping we live and uh, to tell the story. That is radical. There's people in the room today who are doing stuff like that. Um, but I think God wants us to bring it down to a normal level for us. And then hopefully increase and increase and increase and increase. Okay, so that's the first. So <clears throat> we sat down with Ryan, who was with us a few weeks ago, and he said, he asked, he asked me some kind of straight questions. He says, what is your church about? So I'm like, oh, we creative, we've got a warehouse, haven't you seen it? We're cool. Like, try, you know what I mean? Like, I'm trying to say, we, we're trying to do this, we're trying to do this. And he goes, no, that's, that's the what. what. What is the why? What is, what is your motivation behind what you do? So that's a th- I, I mean, I know that. But when you're kind of caught off guard, I'm like, this should be flooding out of me. And sometimes you can get caught in the day-to-day life and the day-to-day maintenance, like electricity going off and hopefully having more ACs next week and all the stuff that's like almost maintenance mode. Where God is, almost God speaking through and saying, what is the purpose that is put on my life, which is in turn what you guys are going to walk into as a community. And I felt years ago, I felt God say, uh, about Stalin and I raising up a radical generation of believers. That's what we want. We want a people with purpose, a people that run after the purposes of God as opposed to the, the things of this world, are, are, are enamored by Jesus Christ. We are the, the light in the city. We want to see the city change. We want to be the answer to the poor. We want to do all these things. I said, God, that, that is what is burning inside of me. And he says, that's what I want to hear. That's what Ryan said to me. And I thought, we need all of us need to have a purpose or vision statement for our lives. What is the thing we're running after? Now, don't give me finances. Don't give me a nice little family. Don't give me all of that stuff. Because that should just add to the main call. We're all called to be light bearers. We're all called to change this world. We're all called um, to, even moms, sitting at home with your babies, gather moms around you who don't know Jesus and start sharing the love of Jesus. Invite them to the church. This, This stuff that every single one of us can do. Pilots sit for hours next to someone and you, have, you, have a, you kind of have a captive audience to preach. Cabin crew, you can be nice on the planes. Okay. Not that I have experienced really bad cabin crew, but it's all good. There's another man by the name of Ken Costa. Who's heard of him? Incredible man. Elliot, you've heard of him. I'm impressed. <laughs> the only one. You're awesome. Okay. He is a... Uh, He's part of the HGB leadership team, but he used to be the, 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 the top guy at UBS, uh, which is a bank. Am I right, Rum? UBS. And uh, he was the guy who brokered the deal for Harrods to be sold. So he's a really, really influential man. South African born, grew up, went to a university called Wits University, was involved in kind of uh, the anti-apartheid thing, eventually got a, a scholarship to go. I think he ended up going to Cambridge or Oxford, studied there but has lived a full life. Now, he preached a message, which was just powerful, if you can go download it off the HTB website. But the, the thing that struck me about this guy, here you have a guy who is multi-millionaire, has given, he's, he's known as a philanthropist, so he's, he's given away millions. He's, he's an incredibly wealthy man, but he preaches, and the Holy Spirit comes, 
and lives are changed. And I thought, God, can we see that? Can we see businessmen in our church, which is 99% of you sitting here, business people, we are so filled with the presence of God, you're so desperate to get the Word of God out of you, that you're starting to see it break out into the workplace. And he, he coined a, a phrase, he says, your workplace is your worship place. Your workplace is your worship place. We don't, this little thing we did for 20, 30 minutes today is worshiping God, but I'm worshiping God right now. You're sitting in your workplace, you're being a, a light to a dark system. You worship, you see, your workplace is your worship place. And then the third person that really impacted us on this time was a lady by the name of Joe Malone. Do you want to explain who she is, Stop. Uh, she made um, cosmetics and makeup in her bathroom with like uh, just Tupperware and, and plastic containers. Um, and she then handed over her business. She sold her business to Estee Lauder and obviously became very successful. And now she started another company called Joe Loves. Um, so, yeah. So here's these men and women, Martin Smith. And I'm not exalting that. I'm just saying these are, these are examples that all of us can relate to. They lived with a purpose on their life. They, they, every day they wake up and they've got, a, they've got a bigger thing that they're working towards. And it's my, honestly my desire to, to say every single person sitting here has a massive purpose in God. Massive. There's not like, it's not select few. It's not, it's every, everyone who seeks God will find Him and then God will open up doors that you, that you would never thought imaginable. And walk into massive things. John 15, it speaks about our relationship with God. And, uh, and there's a moment where Jesus says, you said, you're called to bear fruit. We are, we, are, we are known as his disciples if we're bearing fruit. Now, fruit looks like something. So I know that there's suffering, and we talked about this morning. Sometimes we think it's trial after trial. But God has called us as believers to carry fruit into the world. The, the world should look on and be jealous and say, what are you doing? Said, no, we're following the king. I'm following the right way. I've, I've, I've aligned my life to follow after Jesus Christ. Uh, hmm? Oh, sorry, Joe Malone. I didn't even finish what I said about it. Thank you, Star. Um, so she obviously did this perfume thing, and uh, she just she, she spoke about. Uh, she honestly, when she was preaching, I was just crying. She wasn't even preaching; she was being interviewed. I was crying, and she was she was speaking about an entrepreneur, and she and she comes up with. A, she said this. She goes, "I can't preach." I can't do this, but I said, there's no one in the world who can make perfume like me. I thought, wow, that's, at first glance, I thought I was a little bit arrogant. But she's so confident in what she's called to do that that thing has opened up doors for her. There's pe- you guys sitting here are the, are the only ones that, so what you can do is the only thing that you can do. No one else can do what you can do. And I think that for me, it was so impacting. And she says, the, the thing that she lives by every day, say, take 20 minutes of every day, and find inspiration. Inspiration is the fuel for innovation. And she kept talking about how we need to think differently to impact this world. We live in, a, I went to a, another kind of a breakout session, and just how rapidly the world has changed in 20 years, and how we need to change our language, how we need to uh, start thinking differently in order to reach the next generation. A 90s style of church, a 90s way of evangelism, is not going to cut it anymore. They're redoing the whole Alpha course. Who's done the Alpha course before? Very, very good. 
Early next year, they're going to have a whole bunch of new videos released, which is going to be powerful. We're going to run and do a big thing through City Lights, hopefully reach hundreds and hundreds of people for Jesus. But they're thinking in a new way. So, <coughs> can you turn to Isaiah 6, please? I'm not going to preach very long. I've already preached quite a bit. Isaiah 6. If you want to see my notes, this is what happens when you're running our notes on a plane. They kind of go everywhere, especially when you're hitting a bit of turbulence. But anyway, it's fun. Isaiah 6 says, In the year that King Uzziah died. Now there's a moment in Israel, if you go look at the history of Uzziah, he started out as a good king, ended up being a, a little bit of a bad king at the end, but he was a good, he brought reform and he changed the nation of Israel. So obviously there's this moment where Isaiah is in a place of mourning. And I think what uh, Tara said this morning, sometimes we look at these mountains and God actually, he makes it a tabletop, a tabletop for us to go sit amongst our enemies. So we need to rest with God. It says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on the throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. And one word stuck out for me. If we're looking at being a people of purpose and having a purpose on our lives, it starts with the first thing is that we have to see the Lord sitting on his throne. We have to become pursuers of him. And Stahl and I were talking <clears throat> uh, just uh, after, just on the plane trips. And you know, in, in England, you do a lot of tube and underground. And it's honestly, I thank God for my car. I just laid hands on it this morning. I was like, Thank you, Jesus, for cars. Because public transport's great, but it's not fun. Okay, you pick up colds, people sneeze in your face, people read books like this. Uh, it's just, anyway, it's interesting. And um, we were just saying, we were sitting together on one of the trains, and we said, you know what, it all comes down to simply this. For every single person to walk into their calling, they need to read the Bible and pray. Simple. Uh... Do a prayer walk. I know it's sometimes hard in, in summer, but get up super early. Go for a walk around your area. Start praying. Sometimes if you're just trying to pray in a lounge, it's, it's, it's kind of you just walk in a circle, whatever it is. Start. Cultivate this prayer life. Cultivate this. We watched, I went to also like this Alpha, the future of Alpha. And this lady was saying, she's saying that the common denominator for all of the success for Alphas, where people are getting saved, where they're multiplying and it's not about city, it's not about they've got great gimmicks, it's not even a, like a, a great situation where they're meaning. It says the common denominator for people being radically saved and changed in the Alpha course is prayer. Prayer works. If you trust Him for someone to come to Jesus, pray for them. I think if, if we start being intentional about our prayers, not just pray random prayers, but pray for the government that we may live in peace. Pray for your friends at work that they may find Jesus. Pray, just keep praying, keep seeking God, keep seeking a relationship with Him. It's as simple as that. It says, In the year that King Isaiah saw the Lord sitting on the throne, high and lifted up. God is to always be number one in, his, in our lives. And the train of His robe filled the temple. I love this. It says, above him stood the seraphim. Now, if you look at the word seraphim, seraphim, I've always seen these pictures of these like 15th century Gothic. They're like these weird angels. Seraphim, if you look at the meaning, it means the burning ones. So they were burning with the love and fire of God, and they surrounded God's throne all the time. Right now, they're surrounding Jesus. Here, Isaiah is looking seven, eight hundred years before Jesus was even alive. 
He was looking at the exalted Christ with angels around him. And he sees and he gets this picture into heaven. You have people that are, uh, sorry, you have the seraphim that are, that are burning around him. Each had six wings, with two they covered his face, with two they covered his feet, and with two they flew. And it's amazing that they covered their face. That even an angel has to cover his face because of the glory of God. And I think we need to, we need to, we need to seek God. We need to become hungry for him. I think in a city where we are so easily satisfied by everything else, there's so many things that we can just give our lives to, we don't get satisfied by the one thing, and that's Jesus Christ. And sometimes God strips away everything in our lives so we can get satisfied by the one thing. Am I right? We have to have a, for me, encountering God is always about encountering the Holy Spirit. He is God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And I had, I had an incredible moment. Uh, I think it was the first worship session. Arrived, uh, I don't know who was leading worship. One of the dudes was leading worship. And I just raised my hands. As I raised my hands, I felt like, and for those of you who have experienced this before, you know it's, it's, it's legit. Eh? I felt like the presence of God came upon me and I just started weeping. Cry, I don't cry. Stalin knows that. Like, and I've said it before, I try. When people are telling something, say, I, tr- I really do try. I'm not, the, I'm not the easiest crier in the world. But when the presence of God comes, I am ugly. It just goes, you know, like, and, you, and I'm like, I'm hoping Star's not seeing me. I just want to care. But there was just tears dripping down my face. And I felt God's just almost fill me with his presence and re-anoint me, which was an incredible, incredible. The thing is, I've been seeking God and I've been wanting that. But you sometimes forget about it in the, in the seeking and then all of, all, all of a sudden, in a moment, God visits you. And can I, can I say that that is, the presence of God is, is, is a gift from the Father for every single person sitting here. His presence amongst us, His presence in us, His presence dwelling in and through us. We have to know that the Holy Spirit was the one that hovered over the waters when the world was created. The Holy Spirit was the one that led the Israelites out of Egypt Cloud by day, sorry, cloud by day, fire by night, led them out. You had Moses in uh, Exodus 33 who encountered the living king. You had David who, 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 who almost stepped into a New Testament understanding of the Holy Spirit and, and had the presence of God fill him. Uh, I missed out on a few guys here. You had, you had the priests who, who were so undone by the power of God that they fell on their faces. You had, fast forward to the New Testament, you have, you have the 120 waiting in the upper room and God's presence comes, 3,000 get saved. And I think encounter and, and seeing God and encountering Him and knowing Him in a deeper, a more, deeper way is for us, but it's also not for us. It's for the world to be changed. That, that moment in history literally changed the world. And I say, if, if we want to live with purpose... We have to see the Lord seated above. I love what it says here. It says, and the foundations, okay, the, the seraphim called to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. The church we visited in, um, in St. Peter's Brighton, I think it was built in like 1700s or whatever it is, but they can't play their music too loud because the, the ceiling may fall in. So there's, there's this loud noise and they have to kind of like patch it up every now and then and make sure that there's no cracks. And I honestly think when, when we get to heaven one day, we're going to be so undone by the living king that at his voice, the heavens shake. 
It just, uh, sometimes we need to use our imaginations and get past this natural kind of covering that we live with so often and, and seek the Father. And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost. I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. And I think to live with purpose, we have to realize that Jesus is holy and we are not. And it's almost like there's, there's Isaiah crying out. There's, there's this intercession saying, who's going to stand in the gap? Who's going, to, who's going to bridge the gap? And we know, obviously, that that is Jesus Christ. Penny, can, can you come up? Because where are you? There you are. I've got a couple more points and then we'll be done. It says, Then one of the seraphim flew over to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken from the tongs of the altar. Now that is a picture. Jesus, Jesus d- died in our, in our place on the cross for us. And he touched my mouth and he says, Behold, this has touched your lips, your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. I honestly think we want to live a life with purposes. I I can give you four or five points that you can go and apply to your life. But I think we need to start, and I wrote down four or five C's. We have to start out that, number one, God is the captain. He's in charge. You, You look at it, it says, uh, it says that he was high and exalted. When he speaks, the, 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 the threshold shake. The heaven shakes when he speaks. The second thing is that his holiness shows our corruption and our conviction of sin. And then I love this part, and it says, Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand, I read this, and with a burning coal that he had taken from the tongues of the altar, he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips, your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. To live with purpose before we even start doing anything, we have to realize that God's in charge. We are messed up and Jesus saves us. Can we stand together? The final thing that happens, it says, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? Then I said, here am I, send me. And he said, go and say this to the people. I feel this morning, can we just close our eyes? Because I feel God, sometimes God, we can, God just does business when our eyes are closed. God has wanted to commission his people this morning. John 10, 10 says that uh, the 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 devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus came that we may have life and life abundantly. Can you repeat that after me? Life and life abundantly. Let's say it again. Life and life abundantly. God has called us to live a fruitful, abundant life. And I think sometimes we get so stuck in the trials, we get so stuck in the day today that we miss out on, on seeing the Lord seated on His throne. That's why I wanted to give even more time in worship this morning. That we have a moment to seek the Father. Matthew Henry says this. He says, All vainglory, ambition, ignorance, and pride would be done away with by one view of Christ in His glory. 
So God, we're just praying this morning that you show us your glory, God. This is not an overly practical message. This is about us getting face to face with the living God. Things may look like they're going really bad in your life. Like, where did I go wrong? And I feel God is saying, go back to the root. Go back to the root. Go back to the place where you may have forgotten about God. Go back to the place where, you know, there's a juncture, there's, there's a point in your life where you started to seek after things that are not what God has for you. that this morning. Can we go back and say, God, I want to see you seated, exalted, lifted up. I want to see your glory. Can you just speak that to your, speak that to your Father? our captain when he speaks we listen God this morning would you strip away our natural thinking and our natural sight I pray for those who are struggling with doubt I feel God honestly wants to break doubt this morning you are looking at at situations, you're looking even at the gospel sometimes, you're looking at the Holy Spirit sometimes, I can feel it, I can say God's presence you're like, oh whatever, I don't believe that stuff I feel that the Father wants to break doubt this morning just begin to seek Him we've doubted God We've sometimes even doubted, sometimes He existed or not God, I just, I speak faith into city lights. Faith is how we live with you. Faith is how we communicate with you. Faith is how we approach you, Father. And I pray, Lord God, that um, just that moment where, where Thomas came and he says, I won't believe until I touch and see. God, obviously we can't physically touch and see, but Father, we know that your presence is here. We know, Lord Jesus, that, uh, that, that you are alive. I pray that, Lord God, I pray that you'd break doubt this morning. And God, we live in a world that is that is messed up because of our sin. That I have the responsibility as much as anyone else because of the sin of this world. But God, the, the glorious gospel is that you came you satisfied every, every command that needed to be satisfied. You died in our place. You cleansed us. I love what it says here. It says, behold, which is almost like a shout, like behold, this has touched the fire of God, the word of God, Jesus Christ has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. God forgets our sin. We remember our sin. We live in the past. We, we even remember other sins. I pray, Lord God, that you would cleanse us this morning by your blood.
Lord God, if anyone's just struggling with stuff, struggling with sin, they don't have to fight it on their own. They can just lay it up to the King. I just want to pray for our purpose. Dan's been preaching about um, finding our purpose, and I just believe that God's wanting to reveal it to you this morning. Lord God, I ask that you would begin to reveal the whispers of your purpose. I really sense that God has plucked people out. He's wanting to place you in his and position you to see more of the purpose that he has for your life because time is short. And he's placed you here in the city for a season. And in the season, there is a purpose. And I pray, Lord God, that the passion in their hearts would start to rise and bubble forth to fulfill that purpose that you have called them to run with. The purpose on us as a church, the purpose on us as individuals, that we would not get sidetracked, distracted, uh, go our own way, that we would be on mission together, that we, that God, I pray, Lord God, that right now your purpose, your individual purpose would be like a movie into these, into these precious people's lives. Just ask God. He will not disappoint you. He will not make it hard for you. He wants you to walk into it. Ask Him and He will reveal to you. Isaiah says, And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? There's a moment here. Isaiah says, here am I, send me. And he stepped up. And I feel that the Father is saying this morning, and if you want to even do a physical act, if you want to step out into the aisle, step out to the front, take a step forward. I think sometimes we need to, we need to take a step forward. I'm taking a step forward. I'm like, God, I know that you've been walking in something of what you called us to, but God, I want more. I know that there's more that you have for us. And God, we thank you that even sometimes we take our own detours, but you bring us back. You are the GPS. You're the little blue line that brings us back in the right direction. And if that's you, can you if you want to raise your hand, you feel like maybe you've taken some kind of detour in your, in your walk with God. If you want to just raise your hand, I'd love to just pray for you. It's good. It's good. Father, we... Thank you, Lord God, that you bring us back. You bring us back to the thing that you've put in us and on us. And even if it's due to circumstances that are out of our control, that we've walked away. Father, we thank you that you're drawing people back to yourself. God, I just speak purpose. I speak life. I speak your life over every single person standing here. Can we raise our hands together? God, I pray and prophesy that out of this church, God, there's going to be men and women who are going to rise up into all that you have for them, Father. There's going to be no holding back. Father, I speak against distractions. I speak against the busyness sometimes of our lives, and I say, God, would you come and take hold of people's hearts and grip our hearts like you did with Isaiah. He saw you seated on the throne. He was undone, Father. I pray that this morning we would be undone in our hearts and seek after you, the living King.